Ladies and gentlemen, sports fans alike, welcome to another edition of Bill Swirsky's Sports Talk Chicago. One of the couple, two, three best podcasts around. So sit back, grab yourself a cold one and a pole of sausage, park your keister in the front room, and listen to Bill Swirsky's Sports Talk Chicago. In Chicago, you know that all sports rock. The Bears, Hawks, Bulls, Cubs, and Sox. Pick your favorite, you can choose as long as the... Packers lose for everything you need to know. It's Bill Swarski Sports Talk Chicago. Bill Swarski Sports Talk Chicago. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Bill Swarski Sports Talk Chicago. This is your hosts, Alex and Sean. We are going to be dissecting this dog turd taco of a loss to the Detroit Lions. We're talking a little Blackhawks, a little Bulls, a little off-season baseball, and more. But first, I'd like to thank our sponsor, the Rockford Icehogs. If you're not familiar with the Rockford Icehogs, they're the AHL minor league affiliate of the Chicago Blackhawks. What does that mean for you? You could see the stars tomorrow today at family-friendly, affordable prices. The season is going on right now, so make sure you head on over to icehogs.com. Get yourself a hat, shirt, jersey, tickets, and more. Tell them Swirsky Sports sent you. Oh, Alex. Alex, I, football week. You know, I want to bitch and moan about the the roller coaster of emotions that had during this game, but it really does pale in comparison to that Bills Vikings game. I can't imagine being a fan of either of those teams having to go through that over and over, back and forth. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a wild day in football today. You know, I mean, I'm looking, I'm still trying to maintain that, that big picture thing for the Bears. And we saw another game which Justin Fields did a lot of great things. He had another insane touchdown run. He had two of them really that were really good. I mean, let's be real. Both of them were impressive. One was getting out of pressure. One was just long downfield. We've seen plenty of that. You know, and your draft position gets better. I mean, those are the two things that matter most in the long run. And if we do get that top eight pick, at least, we'll probably be looking back and saying, you know what? I'm glad we got all this. But there's also that just that meatball fan of me where I'm like, you know what? These close, heartbreaking losses, eh, they're losing in a way where we can feel good about things in the long term. But it's still not fun to lose heartbreakers like that week after weekend. You know, I'm not nearly as mad as I would be if they were trying to win, or even if this was last year and they were trying to salvage something. The fact that we knew that this defense was going to be bad and the fact that we knew we weren't going to be winning a lot of games this year and the fact that Justin Fields is doing what he's doing, it hurts significantly less. But it, uh, this one was a tough one today, especially when you're up 24 to 10 at home against the Lions at home and you end up losing. It's just, it's not the best feelings, but at least, at least I can look forward to a big picture while still feeling it's losses are never going to be like, Oh, we lost. Yay. But it's easier to swallow, but I'm still a little bummed right now. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I mean, it sucked because we, we were on the verge of blowing them out. Yes. And the 
offensive play calling got conservative. Mm-hmm. Some calls went against the Bears way. Um, and then there was the the pick six. And you're just like, okay, you know, what? And then you're like, okay, they keep it close. <clears throat> and then the missed extra point. You knew like, that was costing them. <clears throat> yeah, you knew that was bad. You just knew that was bad. And it it shouldn't have cost them the game. They they had one last drive with two minutes left and uh and um some timeouts and the play calling just went dry. Like uh, that would be the time to run Justin Fields. I don't know why they didn't do that on the drive before when they still had the lead 30 to 24. They ran up the middle several times and they didn't go anywhere. I'm like, why not design run him on first down? You pick up a fir- couple first downs, you, you ice it. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the Lions have the worst pass defense in the NFL. And it was cons- it's concerning to me that the bears weren't able to feast on that more. No, I know. I mean, Justin Fields made some nice throws, but there were also times where he could have made a throw and you know, it wasn't the best of throws or nobody got open the way they should. Obviously Cole Komet did a great job today. He got open that one touchdown. He had wide open downfield. He had a couple nice balls to Mooney, but no, I mean, they were really run heavy early to start the game. And I mean, they were moving the ball on the ground and everything, but I did want to see them throw a little more. I do think too, missing Tevin Jenkins today really showed because he, Justin Fields was facing more pressure. He was, today. he was, um, it was partially, uh, you know, not having the full line. And it was partially because the lions have a decent pass rush. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson was what the number two overall pick. Um, and he might win defensive rookie of the year. Uh, he looks good. Mm-hmm. And um, the pressure, the pressure was coming. And then there was other times where, you know, Justin Fields did have a little bit of time. There just wasn't anybody open. And uh, that's the concerning part to me is you had Byron Pringle back. You had Clay, Chase Claypool in, you had Darnell Mooney and, you're still not getting guys open. Um, is is that Justin Fields still learning the offense and f- learning what uh, learning what an open window in the NFL looks like versus guys really just aren't open? And I think I'd need to look at the all twenty two to see that. I'm sure it's a combination of both. I mean, that would be my guess without watching the tape in detail. Um, because, you know, and is part of this Luke Getze scheme not getting guys open? Uh, and that's that's another question to ask. Um, you know, overall, offense, I can't be too mad. They, they put up quite a few points, but... Um, they just they're not able to consistently drive when they need to drive <clears throat> and they're they're really living and dying based on Justin Fields legs 
Yeah, I mean, obviously in the future, you're going to need a more balanced game. We all know that you, you can't keep playing like this. I mean, you know, you're playing like it now because you don't have much. But when you look forward in the future, you need to have a more balanced passing run game with Justin Fields. And I think a lot of people were asking this question today. Chase Claypool, you got him. Where is he? Yeah, he's why isn't he going on deeper routes? And you really you really have one decent cornerback on the on the Lions. Why? If he's covering Darnell Mooney, then why aren't you utilizing Chase Claypool? And if there if he's on Chase Claypool, why aren't you going for Darnell Mooney? And that's you know, there's a lot of questions and. um, You know, there's there's still a whole lot on this Bears team that needs to be cleaned up. You know, the arrow is pointing up, but I mean, you want to look at a team that's where the arrow is pointing down. Look at, look at the Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, that's a dumpster fire. That is a dumpster fire. And they should just trade us. Uh, I don't know. One of their wide receivers. Give us Devonte Adams for. <laughs> Byron Pringle. Okay. Um, then they can just get out of that deal. By the end of the year, they could just wash their hands and then start fresh, right? So it works win-win. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this arrow is pointing up, but there's still a lot of room for improvement. And, you know, part of it is just the Bears are not getting any calls. And teams are just like, yeah, all right, well, fine. We're just going to molest the Bears receivers because we they don't get the calls. Um, I was livid on that. What should have been that Sanborn interception when I don't remember who was it Mooney or somebody just bumped him and he went flying to the ground. Didn't even hit him in the face. I'm like, first of all, Oh, that was Jalen Johnson. Was it Jalen Johnson? Uh, yeah. Uh, he, he, I, I don't know what happened to that dude. He just like went down like a ton of bricks. Right. Did I and say Darnell Mooney? You did. What am I, I saying was, Darnell I, Mooney? For? I was fairly certain Darnell Mooney was not out there on defense. Yeah, no, he's but... he's not on defense. <laughs> no, I don't know. I was I had Darnell Mooney on my mind. Sorry, Jalen Johnson. Um, yeah, but that that call really really irked me. I'm like, are you kidding? Like, there's been you see defenders do so much more, and then it's not... within the five yards. You're allowed. You're depressed. So I, he's saying that he hit him in the face. But I, you know, when you say, how often do you see that called? Like, come on, never, you never see that called. And, you know, that was, that was a, that was a tough one to swallow because it, it changed the momentum because it went from an interception to turned around and it was a touchdown. Right. And, you know, th- that was another drive to we had multiple penalties that, that kept the lines in the game that, that, the Lions were gifted that on so many occasions. And you know what? There were times when the Bears didn't play disciplined. You know, some of those penalties, yeah, those are on the Bears. And some of the penalties, you're like, it's ticky-tacky in, like, yeah. the replay. You look at the replay slow motion, whereas you watch it in real time, like, okay, I could see why the human eye would pick that up, like, as a hold or a face mask. Like, you totally understand it. <laughs> but that that play with Johnson, uh, Jalen Johnson, not Darnell Mooney, and that Sambor pick, that was complete bullcrap. That pissed me off. Right. 
Um, you know, but uh, on offense, I did like the fact that I think establishing the run was the right thing to do early on. They did, and yep. Because every team goes in there trying to attack the uh, the Lions with their with throwing passes, and um, so you went in there with the run, okay, and you had success. Um, but at some point, you've got to get big chunk plays, and you've got to be able to hit deep passes. And part of that is, hmm, uh, you know. This is all going to sound nitpicky on Justin Fields. That little hitch in his throw is back. Yeah. Yeah. Which I don't like. Um, And I think we saw early on that kink went away, but he wasn't playing that well. Or maybe the bears are just like, screw it. If, if, we want him to play confident. We got to let him just throw the ball, how he throws the ball. And they let it have that kink in there. And that, um, and I don't know how it looks on the field, but on TV, that looks so bad. And you're like, I have no idea where that ball is going. And you end up seeing some wonky passes and, it seems like he's not getting the same oomph on it. Um, nitpicky, but these are things that where we need to see the progression. Um, I want to see the ball come out of his hands a little quicker. Uh, I I don't love Tua, and I think Tua has this amazing advantage where he has two of the top five receivers in the NFL. Um, but one thing he does is he gets that ball out so quick. And I think, I think that's something Justin Fields needs to work on. He's making the reads. You watched him make the reads today and you saw them, the progression. It's just not lightning fast. And I think, I agree. uh, agree. And you know, when he makes the reads, you're like, okay, he makes the reads. I, that's, I feel better about that, but it's just the, the read progression. And the funny thing about the NFL is, you know, it takes you so long to be able to get up to the certain point that by the time mentally you feel like you understand the game and you feel confident in what you can do and what you can't do. And then your body starts giving out and you can't do the things. It's like if you could take your end of the career mind and put it in your rookie body, you know, <laughs> this game would be so much better. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's going to be something that's going to be addressed, I'm sure. They're going to look at everything. They're going to look at the tape. They're going to talk about it. And I noticed that, too. You know, I'm kind of glad that you brought that up. It's going to be interesting to see them go back on the road indoors next week against the Falcons. We'll see how he fares there. Is it going to be the Ryan Pace revenge game? I don't know. But... Yeah, we'll see what kind of adjustments are made going into next week, just with the offense in general. Hopefully we see more Claypool. Hopefully Tevin Jenkins will be back. I just, I I really thought, I really thought that it was such a bummer that we didn't see Justin Fields get more of a chance to ice the game when they had the chance. Because I thought 
on that last possession before they gave up the lead, I thought that was a golden opportunity to do another designed run. Because I think you could have gotten first down there. I, I really do. Yeah, I mean, you know, this, it's funny because on paper, he had, Justin Fields had, you know, almost as good of a, a running day as he did against the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you watch the game, it just didn't feel like <clears throat> it was as easy, um, you know, or fluid or, or, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't as, as easy. And I don't know if it's that they, they tried just keep keeping the contain and not having a spy or, or what, uh, you know, what made it harder for Justin Fields to run, or if it's just the fact that they got a lot of pressure and he was never able to just fully get a full head of steam, you know, the numbers ended up being really good. It just, you couldn't, um, you know, you never saw him just be able to do whatever he wants, like he did against the Dolphins. Yeah, I mean, I think that Justin Fields made some really crazy plays with his legs today. But like you said, crazy and easy are kind of two different things because he made it look really just effortless last week against Miami, where this week he really had to work for it. Because remember that touchdown, that first touchdown he ran for, it looked like he was going to get sacked on multiple occasions and he had to twist out of that and keep going where Justin Fields, he just went bursting off to the races last week against the Dolphins. And And again, I'm going to go back to the offensive line. You know, having Tevin Jenkins, I think, really made a difference in this one. It made things a little more difficult. And, you know, it's I thought that the line played pretty well against the Dolphins. And a lot of that is attributed to how good Tevin Jenkins is. When I saw he was out today, I'm like, "Eh, that's not good. And the Bears still put up points. They still got yards and everything. It just, it kind of hurt them at times when they needed to make some plays the most. And I think that one of the big moments of the game early on was they were able to drive downfield. You had that bogus penalty. So that held them to a field goal. And then you had another penalty on another drive later and you had to punt. And I don't think if you have that on the offensive line and you're able to protect him, I think the bears put up 40 plus and they win this easily. So even though you had a lead through most of the game, the tone was kind of set early when, I mean, you still put up 30 points. I'm not trying to take away from that, but they had a chance to just come out of the gates and kind of put the clamps on in the first half. It ended up being 10-10 at the end of the half, but you had an opportunity to really stomp on them early. And I think if Tevin Jenkins plays – and you don't get some of those holding calls that uh, killed those drives, you score on those touchdowns. I mean, because that first drive before that that penalty killed it, they were drive. That doesn't happen, they score. Then they have it again, they don't score. And I just, even if those penalties happen, I think if the pass protection is a little better, you do a little more, and you would have scored a little more. I think one of the big bummers for me is on plays where you see Justin Fields is running for his life. He's trying to make things happen. 
and you don't see his receivers coming back. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if that's, if they're not practicing that or what the situation is. And I'm would be surprised if they're not practicing it, because that's something that the Packers work on religiously is when the play breaks down, who does what? And there's always somebody that's going to try to go deep um, where, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers is going to try to take that deep shot and get a touchdown. But then you also have people that come back where um, he can try to make an easier throw because it's if, if the deep play is not there, it's always better to try to dump it off this for some yardage than take the sack or throw it away. And especially on that um, pick six play, I, it didn't look like anybody was coming back. And no. is that a, is that a play that Justin Fields should have thrown it away? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. My, my, my understanding of where and when to throw it away um, has, has really moved. The line has moved because of the things that Justin Fields can do physically like that 60 some yard touchdown run. Like that's a broken play that he just made something happen. He didn't throw the ball away. He just, he did something. The touchdown run. He didn't throw the ball away. He did something. And so, you know, I start going, well, I've seen him make things out of nothing, make big things out of nothing. And so I have to trust him. And sometimes that involves living and dying by that. And, and you saw a bad play where, he gave up a through an interception that got returned for a touchdown. And I, I still think you got to throw that away. You're deep in your own territory. I mean, I think there's a difference between being deep in their territory and being deep in your own. I think that ball's got to go to the sidelines. And maybe, maybe it's, Hey, if you're going to run, you know, you, you take those plays, but you don't make those errant throws. Um, that might be the new line. Um, but that was an ill-advised throw and it was compounded by the fact that nobody tried to come bail him out. Yeah. And you know what? I'm going to be, you know, I'm just going to say as soon as he threw that ball, I said, Oh no. Like as soon as it oh, left at hand, it, I knew that was getting picked off. Absolutely. Um, it, you know, once that left his hand, you just, it, it might as well have just started flashing with neon lights, bad ball, bad ball, bad ball. Yeah, exactly. Um, it was funny. I was uh, looking at all-time Bears quarterback numbers the other day. And what I found was on Sunday against the Dolphins, Justin Fields in that one game had more rushing yards than Rex Grossman and Kyle Orton did in their entire bears careers combined. Hmm. It's, it's, it's not surprising, but it's still a pretty amazing stat. It, it's, uh, it's pretty funny. Um, like I was like, you know, they weren't really running quarterbacks, but you're like, at some point you just scramble and you, you pick up some yards here and there. Yeah, I mean, they were never 
known for running, but you know, they also played, I mean, Rex Grossman didn't play that long. Kyle Orton played a decent amount for the bears, but obviously two very different types of quarterbacks. They were in Justin Fields was, and it's funny because somebody made a post saying, imagine if Justin Fields was on the 06 bears. And one of the replies was he'd be seven years old playing in the NFL. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was hilarious. Uh, Um, but yeah, it was, I was, I was shocked at, you know, Justin Fields is probably going to be the number one bears rushing quarterback by the end of next season. (laughs) Oh, I mean the way he's going. Absolutely. Um, and we thought Mitch Trubisky was a good runner and he was, but yeah, compared to this, not a lot of people can do what Justin Fields could do. No, no, it's, uh. It's pretty ridiculous when you watch it. I just hope that next year we're seeing these great things and we're winning games. I really know that this team has a lot of work to do. We all do. We all really, really know that. We know that they're not built to win or trying to win. And honestly, I bet Ryan Poles is watching that draft pick go higher and higher and just like, yeah, yeah. It's currently no, it's currently six. Yeah, I bet. You know what? I bet right now Ryan Poles is kind of rubbing his hands together like, all right, baby, let's keep it in this vicinity. Like, I'm sure he is going to express that he wants to win to the media. He's not going to say I like losing, but I do think behind the scenes he's watching that draft stock rise and he's thinking, all right, all right, all right. I mean, the, the thing about the rising draft pick that entices me is when you get up to a certain level your trade back becomes extremely valuable exactly and when you have your quarterback that's where the teams that have quarterbacks that get high draft picks whether it be you know uh like the Bengals when uh joe burrow was injured they knew he was coming back the next year, but they had a really bad year without him. Um, but when the teams that get high draft picks that have their quarterbacks get put in a position of really taking advantage of the teams that still need quarterbacks. And do I ever see the bears being in a position to just fleece somebody and completely take advantage? No, but if if you're able to trade back and pick up an extra second rounder uh, or, you know, a late first rounder next year is as long as you are getting value for, for your pick, then I'm here for it because there's, you know, you are not one or two players away. You are a whole lot of players away yeah you need more o-linemen you need more receivers you need a pass rush a whole linebacking core you need a lot and and having all this money you can pay people but there's not that many players that you're like oh yeah this is this is the guy this is the guy um you know there's there's a handful of players where you're like, okay, I feel like this player could be available and they could be a huge splash. 
uh but there's there's not that many you know the um you know there's not that many guys that we're just like oh hey this is where we're going to spend the money you know i, I think the bears are still going to have a, a poop ton of 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 cap space when all is said and done just because oh, i agree they're they're not going to they're not going to just overpay everybody and uh you know there's not that many guys that are they're just going to blow their load on you know you're going to see you're going to see them resign some of their guys you're going to see a Darnell Mooney extension um but it, it's you're not going to see them spend all 120 million dollars no i mean that would be <laughs> that would be pretty crazy if they did i mean this is more than just flexibility for next year this is about flex- flexibility for the long term and you have so much to fix and so many guys out there, so to speak, that will legitimately fix your team. I mean, you look at next year and you think, okay, if you have a better pass rush, you have another wide receiver that can be a legit weapon down the field, and you have another guard or lineman that can help block better for Justin Fields, that right there really helps you a lot. But you also need depth at the positions. And you need a little more than just what I just said. So you want one big wide receiver. You'd probably want another one in there as well, which you could go and be a free agency. And I mean, you really got to pretty much completely rebuild that pass rush because you just, you just flat don't have it right now. So there's a lot of work to do and a lot of guys to bring in. But if you can address each of those issues with a guy or two, you do get significantly better, I feel, but it's going to take some time to really build it all the way up to a point where you feel comfortable with depth and the starting guys. Like next year, the Bears should be playing competitively. Like they should be competing. It does not take long to turn things around in the NFL if you do it right. I'm just saying that I don't expect them to be like, cream of the crop maybe until 24 but 23 you should definitely be competing with the resources you have and listen if you're able to trade back draft capital is draft capital even if it is early second round late first round you know you get legit talent really anywhere in the draft so more draft picks is good draft picks especially in like the top three four rounds yeah i mean you know the good thing is is when you drafting high you draft high in every round. It's not like a snake draft. Like right. If you get the sixth overall pick, you get the sixth pick in the second round and six pick in the third round. And um, it's there's, uh, you know, value in that. And moving back in the first, almost honestly, it, it almost is a relief because you, when you're the bears, you have such a need and we don't know yet the the positional importance or value that that Ryan Poles puts on different positions like he might be a guy that's like hey listen i i don't see the value in drafting first round offensive linemen mm-hmm. i mean that that might be a case where he's like you know what i see that as uh you know, mid round picks is where you get the best value there. Um, and he might be a guy that's, you know, first round picks are, you know, first half 
top 15 picks are for quarterbacks, wide receivers, and edge rushers. Um, and if that's the case, then you're like, okay, well, that sort of narrows it down. And we don't know yet where where Ryan Pohl stands on that because number one, we've never seen him draft a first round pick. And number two, he's he hasn't told us. He says yeah. he's true to his board, but we have no idea what his board looks like early. We've only ever seen the earliest we've ever seen is the Kyler Gordon pick, which is in the second round. Right, exactly. And, you know, we said this before on the show, and I say it again, I would not be surprised if Ryan Poles went defense first in this coming draft. Would not be surprised at all. Yeah, I mean, because it's going to be where <laughs> he sees the best value. And, and I, I agree with that. Um, you know, it, it's it's one thing if you're reaching and you're like, Hey, listen, we need, we are like a wide receiver away and you have the sixth overall pick and the next wide receiver you have, you have ranked as like 16 or 17, but the, there's an edge rusher there that you have as like your, is a your three overall. You're like, okay, that uh, we're going to take, you know, do you, do you cheat? up on the draft to take the wide receiver knowing that that's your one player away um I, or do you really stay true to that draft board and and that's how you build your winner i don't know but it's not really going to be a factor this year because how many positions do we are do we feel secure about where we're not going to draft somebody the quarterback yeah uh, I would say quarterback. That's it. I'm not even going to say running back because I'm not sure they're going to extend Montgomery. I think they're going to draft somebody new. I think so too. Um, and I, I do not think they'll draft anybody in the first round. Oh God, or, no. Or the second round. Um, but probably not till the four, fourth. I would assume it depends. I mean, maybe the third, may I, maybe the third, uh, but it better be somebody they really look to be a, a workhorse. Yeah. Ab- yeah, absolutely. Because- like it, it better be somebody from like a power five conference that, that put up great numbers and can pass block. Palter waiting. <laughs> uh, you know, there, you know, there have been guys that were great that came from small schools, not knocking it. But if you're, if you're spending third round pick, on a running back in 2022. Gotta be a it, slam dunk. It's gotta be a slam dunk. And that guy better be able to block NFL caliber guys when he uh when he's blocking. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, but I I I had some downtime the other day during work, and I just started putting together a, a rough plan of, of the offseason, and I was like, you know. When I went through the draft and I signed free agents, I felt good about the team I had put together. Not great, not definitely not Super Bowl caliber, but I was like, all right, I think this is a significant upgrade. And I still had, and I extended guys, and I still had like $60 million left to spend. 60 plus million. Uh, and so I was like, <laughs> This this team. Did you extend is, anybody? I extended Darnell Mooney. Okay. And I re-signed a bunch of guys. Okay, that's fair. Um, 
So you resigned guys. I'm trying to think who did you resign? Curious. Uh, I don't let me. Obviously, not other rookies. Obviously, not Justin Fields. Obviously, not Chase Claypool. Said you extended Darnell Mooney. Um, let's see, Bears. Hmm. Eddie Jackson's got another year, correct? Eddie Jackson, I he's got another year. I did not extend him. Um, oh, this is not going to load on my. I believe Jalen Johnson has another year too. I think, yeah, yes, he he, does. he was drafted before twenty twenty. So yeah, so you got him. Okay, um, Nicholas Morrow, I I resigned. Um, I resigned Sam Mustafer as a backup. Um, I resigned Armand Watts. I resigned Nikhil Harry. Uh, I resigned Patrick Scales. Um, I resigned Lamar Jackson and Dieter Eiselin. Most of those guys were a million dollars or less per year. Right. Yeah. That's but, not a lot of money. Yeah. I didn't sign anybody to big money other than Nicholas Morrow. I, th- I think got, a, you know, a fairly chunk sized chunk of money, five million, four and a half, um, but nothing earth shattering. But I mean, <laughs> I think a lot of the deals they're going to do are, are going to be, are going to be those second wave of free agency. Um, you know, the, the, the two big names that I did end up signing were, uh, as edge rusher, uh, unique, um, I, I'm going to butcher pronunciation of his last name, uh, Nagakwe. Um, he's played for like the Vikings and a whole bunch of other teams. He's, he's a guy that's had eight plus sacks every single year of his career. I signed him and I signed Tremaine Edmonds, the linebacker from Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Those were, those were my, my big money signings. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what Ryan pulls, how he values the growth of, uh, you know, some of the young players like, uh, like Braxton Jones. Mm-hmm. Like, is is he the future left tackle or is he the left tackle for the time being? Um, Larry Borum is how does he feel about him as right tackle or are they going to try to step up and sign a, a, a free agent right tackle? Um, I mean, I was going into the season. I was all thinking that Cody Whitehair would be a cap casualty after the season. But honestly, he has played pretty well, and that contract at this point is not so bad. No, it's not bad at all. I mean, it's it's like the 10th highest, 10th or 11th highest guard 
but it is not much higher than what the going rate of a starting guard is. It's just, um, it's like, there's a handful of guys that get paid a shit ton. And then he's, he's like the leader of, of the middle of the pack. Uh, so I, I, if you sign somebody, you're going to be paying more than Cody Whitehair and the, you know, and so I, I, I right. just sort of, I sort of just see it as keep him. Um, you're not hurting for the money at this point. No, I think it's a risk, you know, quote risk willing to take. That's uh, the nice thing about this situation too, is you can do some of that stuff and not have to worry about it handcuffing. You are having too many negative effects on you. Right. Um, but uh, in the draft, like you need a stud wide receiver. I think, I think, yes, yes. It's as much as you need an edge rusher and the best place to get an edge rusher is early in the draft. I, I find it really hard to look at that draft and not go. I'm taking the best wide receiver available. Boy. I just, I want a Justin Jefferson type. I want that so badly on this team. Justin Jefferson is the, the, the sole reason that the Vikings are this good. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's the type of guy he is. You can change his season. He is just, he's absolutely elite. And it's hard to argue against him being the best wide receiver in football. Um, You know, you can, you can make plays or, you know, arguments for Devonte Adams. You can make arguments for uh, Jamar chase, but uh, Justin Jefferson is so damn good. Well, you know, he, that's the type of guy that you can throw a ball to and just rely on him to catch it. There he's was just, a, he's going to make that grab. There was a, uh, at the end of the game on that last drive where the Vikings needed to score, um, to, to save the game. And Kirk cousins threw a terrible ball that should have been intercepted. It was like about a 35 yard pass. And the defender went up and was over Justin Jefferson and went to catch the ball. And Justin Jefferson just took it out of the defender's hand to make the catch. And you're like, how the hell did he do that? Like there was a couple of catches on that drive where you're just like, how in the world did he do that? And that's what you need. Like, I like Chase Claypool. I like Darnell Mooney, but they're they're not that guy. And I think you can get that guy in this draft and really change what your your offense looks like. And the guy I love is Jordan Addison out of USC. Uh, the the guy I really love is Marvin Harrison Jr., but he's not eligible to come out after this season. So there's if if you're in a position to get him when he comes out next year, then you're in trouble because that guy is going to be a top five pick next year. Um, but I, I, it's just so hard for me to look at, at the mock drafts and just not be like, ah, 
I, I, we need an offensive lineman. I just don't want an offensive lineman that early. I, I want to make that splash. I want to make, I want to jump into that stratosphere of with, with that elite wide receiver and, and feel like I can shore up my offensive line with, uh, with some free agents and then take shots on guys for the long term with, with later round picks. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you on there. I totally get what you're saying. And I think that when you look at the Bears situation and you look at what Justin Fields has done, the first instinct is to really want to get him more weapons around him, even though you can say, hey, maybe at the position they're drafting, a pass rusher is the best position available. But that temptation to either give him a weapon or protect him, I mean, that's that's really what we think about first and foremost, because they said this on 670 the score, and I'm going to echo this when we watch the Bears now versus what we've watched our whole life. Offense is more fun. Like it's just flat more fun, and it's become so important that that's the first thing we're thinking about. And yes, there has been a lot of talk about how bad the defense is now after kind of this teardown, but really, I mean, our minds, the first thing we go to is Justin Fields and the offense when we think about this future. And, you know, it, it's tempting to want those types of weapons right away, right off the bat. And wherever they draft, whatever their strategy is, you just hope that they're able to bring in those types of guys. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like there has been plenty of teams that have shored up their offensive line through free agency. And I don't think the bears offensive line is as bad as I thought early on. <clears throat> um, I feel like at Braxton, least when Tevin Jenkins is in there with, with Jenkins and white hair, I think that's two spots. Uh, Braxton Jones is probably is probably an answer long-term. I don't know left tackle or right tackle, um, but you need, you need to, two spots. You need center like very badly and you need another tackle. And um. I think you can you can address both of those in the offseason and make make your line that much better. Um, But adding adding that weapon just I I just salivate thinking about adding an elite wide receiver to this team, because when I mean, when have the Bears ever had an elite quarterback and an elite wide receiver? At the same time, never, never. The answer is never. I mean, you can look at Sid Luckman and Red Grange, but that was a, a bygone era. In in my lifetime, the closest I could say is like Willie Galt and Jim McMahon. I mean, I could say for me, Cutler and Marshall. And, you know, and. uh, But, uh, you know, I, I just. We didn't get, we didn't get Brandon Marshall, the elite Brandon Marshall. We had a pretty good Brandon Marshall. We just did not have the elite Brandon Marshall. Not the Broncos level. Right. And, and Jay was just Jay Cutler. Right. <laughs> That's all you need to say. Um, You know, but I, the, at least the good thing on this offense is 
it seems like Cole Komet is starting to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, he's producing every week. He really is. And you saw him do more today. And every week he does more, the more you like it. You use him as a tight end to take shots down the field and in the end zone. We're using him in the end zone. He's getting touchdowns. You see him able to make a catch and get yards after the catch. We didn't see that last year with him. No, we didn't. And we ne- we didn't even see him getting red zone targets because no. those those all went to Jimmy Graham for reasons. Um, because Ryan Pace had to give him all that money. Uh, did Jimmy Graham ever go anywhere? Or is he just sort of just get retired by the fact that nobody signed him? Yeah, I think he's just kind of uh, just lying in uh, limbo. <laughs> I, I, all I can picture is in the limbo uh, is uh, Spice Adams at the end of his career when he still wanted to play another season, but nobody was signing him. He was making these videos of like, him checking his phone every five minutes for like for his agent and, and trying to keep in shape and be like anything. And, but they were really funny. And that was, I think what propelled spice Adams to his post playing career career uh, is those funny videos of, of him hoping for a job, just not getting a job. Yeah. He showed off that personality. <laughs> Oh, Spice Adams. I love Spice Adams. Uh, it's it's amazing that he's he's become this amazing meme, too. Yeah, I mean, good for him. Like, you <laughs> see that meme of him everywhere. It's like, man, that was once one of my favorite bears. Uh, the, the, my favorite of, you know, usage of the meme is where he's sitting there rubbing his hands coming behind the tree. And it's just that <laughs> it's a dad's every year looking for the peanut butter cups in their kids trick or treat bags. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's accurate. Very accurate. Yeah. There's a lot of good ones with that one. Or when he goes, aha, ha, like he's laughing and then serious face. <laughs> um, but we've, we've got the tight end in a, in a much better situation. Um, the, the wide receivers, you know, that we've, we dealt with that offensive line defense. We talked last week about without Robert Quinn, where's the pass rush coming from? And I said that I would be shocked if we didn't see a lot more blitzing and we saw a lot more blitzing today. Yeah, we did. I mean, they definitely got more pressure on Goff than they did against Tua or any of the other quarterbacks they played over the past few weeks. And sometimes they were able to get home and sometimes they weren't. I mean, there was the play where Goff kind of slid out of bounds and was called, uh, you know, roughing the pass or whatever it was, unnecessary roughness. Which was bogus as shit. Yeah, when you watch the replay, I mean, it, it wasn't nearly as bad, but that was a situation, I can't remember who it was, but had him wrapped up behind the line of scrimmage and he was able to get out of that. He he should have been sacked on that play. And again, that probably could have changed the whole outcome of the game right there. Yeah, I mean, we saw when the pressure was in Jared Goff's face. Jared Goff, you gave you bad results. But on those times where you couldn't get home or he slipped the pressure, 
that's when you saw him making big plays. Yep. And uh that's and that was the frustrating part. You're like, man, if if we could just get consistent pressure on Jared Goff, he looks like hot doo-doo sandwiches. And that's the Jared Goff we know. But when you give him time, like he can make those passes. There's a reason that he was the first overall pick the year he was drafted is the, the guy can throw. It just just can't do it under pressure. Exactly. Exactly. And that was another thing that made today just really, really frustrating, especially when it looked like you had them all but dead. And that, that's why it still irks me a little bit that they lost that game. But, you know, you're right. They did try to dial up the pressure a bit today. And you definitely saw the difference in the pressure they had today versus the last few weeks. And I just think the whole time, I'm like, man, imagine when we have legitimately good edge rushers again. Like, imagine when we can rush the quarterback more consistently again. Because I can tell you right now, if this was last year and we still had Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks, we would have won that game hands down if we had those type of guys pressuring Jared Goff. And, you know, we we didn't. We didn't this year. Yes, yeah, defense uh, isn't important this year in this rebuild year. Yeah, and and uh, you know when the sucky part is when you send blitzers, that means somebody's open somewhere else, and you're you gamble that you gamble that your pressure is going to get there before they identify the open man, and when that pressure was we got there then absolutely that was the case. He was not beating the pressure when the pressure was coming home. It was when they picked up the blitz or when uh, the blitzers picked a bad spot and got blocked by, you know, his own man. Uh, you you saw Jared Goff be able to, to make those plays and the Bears secondary just, you know, just did not look good. Jalen Johnson no. had a rough game today and I know he had an oblique injury early. Yeah. I think he was hurt. I, yeah, he just, he did not look right. No, he didn't. Yeah, he um, certainly did not. Yeah. So it was, it was overall a, a tough game. I mean, I think we all kind of saw this would be a high scoring game because mm-hmm. the the Lions have a bad off or a bad defense and the Bears have a bad defense and um you know the it would just be a I think probably a who had the ball last but um that would have been nice to see Justin Fields pull out that fourth quarter victory but yeah I just could yeah I was just hoping I'm like, cause I was actually pretty confident. Even when we gave up the lead 31 30, I'm like, all right, we have plenty of time. All we need to do is get into field goal range. And fortunately it was not meant to be, but you know, oh, well, I guess I just, I don't like losing to the lions. No, me either. And uh, the last time the lions won on the road was that God awful choke job that we had against them at soldier field in 2020, their last two wins on the road. Or over two years, both against the Bears at home. Yeah. It's kind of frustrating. It's very frustrating. And I have nothing against Dan Campbell, like nothing against him, but I really didn't want to be that team that gave him his first ever road win because it's like, oh, really? Again, nothing personal. It's just really had to be us. It just. Ugh. Yeah, but, oh. you know, it's. uh. 
next week is in Atlanta and Justin Fields is from Georgia. I think he's probably going to have a lot of family at the game and he's going to really, really come out trying to win this game. I, I see the bears coming out and winning that one because the, the Falcons are kind of a hot mess. Ryan Pace. You know, those Ryan Pace teams. You know, I'm going to say this too. I don't know if you read the tweet, but there was a report how Justin Fields was just sitting there in silence for like an hour after the game at his locker, <laughs> not getting undressed. And yeah. some people were like, were worried, like, are these losses going <laughs> to hurt his confidence? I don't think they're going to hurt his confidence. I think he's playing plenty confident, but the guy's like never lost and losing these games has to stink. And I do feel like, I do at least hope that there's, you have Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles and other leaders on the team really just lifting them up and saying, hey, hang in there. And I think Justin Fields understands what's going on. I really, I mean, we understand what the Bears are trying to do. There's no doubt Justin Fields understands what they're trying to do. But, you know, he's the one making the plays. He's the one playing the game. So it's going to sting a lot more for the person who's playing. And I just, I, I do... I, I read that tweet and it was just kind of a, it, it hurt a little bit because he deserves to win the way he's played. He deserved to win this week. He deserved to win last week. He's deserved to win every week, the past four or five weeks. And it's frustrating that he's suffering these really tough losses. So I just hope next year that these turn into wins. It's because like I said, we know what the plan is. We get it. But losing games like this week after week, just naturally as a fan, does wear on you for a little bit. And I can only imagine how much it wears on him. Because he, I can guarantee you, he might understand the plan. He knows what's going on. It might not hurt his confidence, but you sure as hell know he doesn't want to go out there and be like, all right, I put up 30 points and we lost. It's all good. He's not thinking that way. No, and I I, I don't want to make more of it than it is. He's frustrated. Of course he's frustrated. But um, you, like you said, it's, he's won everywhere he's ever been. He was a winner in high school where he could take over. It didn't matter what the team looked like. The best player wins the high school football games. And then he went to Ohio state where they were a perennial, you know, top five team. They didn't lose games and he comes to the NFL and he's on a rebuilding team. And that was always going to happen. Uh, so it's, it's, he's, he's going to have to take his lumps and that's up to Floos to, to keep him on track. And be like, hey, listen, this sucks. Nobody likes losing. None of these guys like losing, but part of the NFL is you're going to lose games because this is a really tough league to win in. And we've, we've got to learn to close and let's go out there and do that. Yeah. And I think that going forward, you're going to see that hunger grow. I don't think it's going to take him down. I think it's going to make him want to do better whether or not we see the results, but I I feel like this has got to be motivating for him because you have silly takes like, Oh, what if he gets so mad after a while he requests a trade? Like, come on. No. Yeah, it's uh it's just ridiculous. Um but it's 
it, it's just a shitty game. And, you know, the only thing I can take away from it is we get ever so close to one of the top picks and dream scenario is a bunch of quarterbacks go early, a team that needs a quarterback trades up with the bears bears, get some draft capital to move back, still get the guy that they wanted and get some extra draft capital. That's dream scenario. It makes, you know, it doesn't make it easier today, but in at come end of April, when the draft happens, then we go, eh, I forgot about those losses already. I'm looking forward. Well, and that's the thing. Like once the season's over, we're not going to be looking back at this loss against the lions or the loss against the dolphins. We're, we're not going to be looking back at those and regretting any of it. Like it just, it, it sucks in the moment. It's a bummer right now. We're what, you know, we're doing this show and what looked like was going to be a bears win was not, but you know, but like you said, by, by the time that this season is over, we're not even going to be thinking about it. Yep, pretty much. The Bears first team to lose three straight games with 29 points. Oh, <laughs> us. Um, yeah, but uh, onward and upward. Yep. Uh, so what do you want to talk next? Uh, I guess we can, how about some off season because it's officially free agency. Nothing's happened, but, uh, rumors uh, are flying. The Mets paid a lot of money for a closer. Well, I, I mean, here in Chicago. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, it looks like Wilson Contreras has a new suitor in the, uh, Houston Astros. Um, if he doesn't come back to the Cubs, I'd rather he go there than the Cardinals. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anywhere, but Cardinals. Um, it's looking like the white Sox might be trying to make a trade, which honestly, um, that might be their best option i mean if they're not going to spend a ton of money they should but i don't think they're going to you're going to have to make some deals to shake things up and you're going to have to take it off your big league roster you just don't have a deep farm system to trade from yeah i mean you know it's clear that they've got they're looking to upgrade over yasmani grandal and sean murphy is the guy that that they're going for. Um, I think a lot of teams are in on him. I think the Cubs should be in on Sean Murphy. If they're not going to pay Wilson Contreras, I think Sean Murphy would be a very worthy replacement. But I know the Sox have been the one reportedly inquiring about them, and you understand why. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know what it's going to take to to get him. Um, it's gonna. I think it's going to take a decent price. He's a damn good catcher. He was a 5.1 F4 last year, one of the better pitch framers, and pretty good bat. Hit 18 home runs last. And he's under team control for three years. Yeah, so I, I don't know what that's going to take to pry him away. Um, 
but you know uh the white Sox, the white Sox gonna have to do something because they the team as constructed is not good enough and they don't have the money to really uh, well i think they have the money they just don't jerry reinsurf doesn't want to pay it they don't have they don't have the strength to pry the purse strings open from Jerry. Just imagine Rick Hahn just just trying to like yank a purse from Jerry Reinsdorf in his office. He started trying to fake him out. He's like, "What's that over there?" Yoink! Oh, <laughs> damn it! <laughs> and, and then the uh, like bars come across the door as Rick Hahn is trying to leave. It's like Indiana Jones. He's weighing. <laughs> He's, he sees the purse there with the with the, you know, the money to spend, and he's eyeing it up with a bag of sand. <laughs> he's in the office. Nobody's there. And then he picks up the bag. He starts to go out in a giant boulder with Jerry's it's, face painted it's on It's not. It. It's Michael Reinsdorf rolled into a ball. Oh, <laughs> Just, my God. <laughs> Just oh. rolling after him down the hall. Uh like that's my inheritance. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you're not going to spend a ton of money, yeah, you're going to have to make one of those deals and you're going to have to part with a notable name on your roster. So the question is, who would you be willing to trade? Are you willing to trade Andrew Vaughn? Are you willing to trade your top prospect in Oscar Colas? Are you willing to explore a trade for maybe a Garrett Crochet? You know, he's coming off the Tommy John surgery, but, you know, maybe he might be an intriguing piece to a team like Oakland. I think for me, Garrett Crochet is expendable. Liam Hendricks, expendable. Yeah, that's that's the other one. I, I actually would not be surprised at all if Hendricks is dealt. Because you can replace, a, it's not easy per se, but it's easier to find another closer in-house than it is to find some others. And Liam Hendricks is getting older. He's on a big deal. So maybe you call the Dodgers who could use a new closer and be like, hey, we got a closer for you. Yeah, I don't think the, the A's want Liam Hendricks. So I, you have no. to be you have to be creative there. Um, I, I They would definitely want an Andrew Vaughn, but uh, do you want to? part with Andrew Vaughn at this point well if you don't have a replacement at first base you don't want to if they re-signed Abreu I mean I I I don't think they're going to do this I don't think Abreu is going back to the Sox because Andrew Vaughn's much younger and more affordable and Abreu is you know 35 but you know if you were to re-sign Abreu and you said all right our windows the next few years we need to do everything so we are going to have Abreu at first base and then trade away Andrew Vaughn i don't think that's going to happen because if you were to trade Andrew Vaughn and not sign Jose Abreu that's like okay what do you have at first base now are you going to move Yasmani Grandal there on his last year of his deal i i don't know i mean he could play there obviously but would you want him to be your only guy there I mean, here's the thing with Andrew Vaughn is I think he's a really good hitter, pure good hitter. And he is best served at first base because he's not a very athletic dude, but he can hit the ball. So you put him at first, you're going to maximize his production. So it's tough giving up on him because of the upside. But if you want to make a deal of that size, I think a lot of teams are going to be asking for Andrew Vaughn. 
I'm going to throw a name out there as a potential trade piece. I think I, I might know who you're guessing, but I'll let you say it. And I think, I think a lot of teams will be interested. Tim Anderson. That's not where I was thinking, but I did want to bring that up. I uh, was thinking, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I mean, you, you don't want to trade him, but he's a guy that is, he's got several more years of, of, or a few more years of team control at four, as good as he is, uh, very, very affordable. He's had some injury history and he's not a power guy. Um, you know, is it a guy that you risk moving to, you know, addition by subtraction? Um, that's something you, you probably have to explore. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Where you know where I was going, and his value is in his high right now. But I was thinking like a Lucas Giolito, and you're going to need to get more pitchers back for him because you need more in the rotation. I just wonder if they were, you know, you're like, hey, if we could get these younger arms to maybe potentially fill up our rotation, could we deal a Lucas Giolito in some sort of way? I, I don't know. That that might be a bit more complicated, but it's just something I think about. Absolutely. I totally agree with you that Lucas Giolito is a guy that you have to explore the trade market. The problem though, is trading pitchers for pitchers because you, you can't move him without, uh, I mean, the Cubs are in a bit of a better situation is because they can afford to go out and get a, buy a pitcher and, they've got several in-house candidates that could fill out a rotation. Mm -hmm. The White Sox don't have that luxury either front. And um, so either they would have to go out and roll the dice that they could get another Johnny Cueto. Like somebody that just comes in off the streets and, and has a, a complete miracle bounce back season or they've got to get somebody back for, for Lucas Giolito. And at that point, then what's what team is looking to dump a younger controllable arm to get a, to get Lucas Giolito. Uh, Yeah. I'm not saying if Lucas Giolito is going to get you that young arm, I'm saying you need to get some young arms and then think about dealing Lucas Giolito. If you were to do that, but again, that's much easier said than done. I just think you have to explore every angle here is what I'm really trying to get at. Right. I I agree with you. I think Rick Hahn is going to have to be super creative in order to, complete this roster because I think he's going to have very limited payroll flexibility and the reports are coming out that free agents don't want to go to the white Sox because of the culture of the team. Yeah. I don't know how accurate that is, but I don't know, but it's one of those things that once it's out, uh, does, is it like a self-fulfilling prophecy type thing where, once people hear it, they go, oh, maybe that is kind of true. Hmm. 
Eh, not in this case. They got a new manager. Yeah, Tony LaRusso is gone. Uh, but the culture exists where that hired him. And that's that's it is a tough sell is that you're like, hey, this is an organization that went, hey, we decided to put the Crypt Keeper as our manager and see how that worked. And it blew up in her faces. Um, I mean, I think at the end of the day, money talks. So that's really the only thing that would prevent a person from signing there or not. And if they're not going to spend the money, then it doesn't really matter. All right, true. True. Um, the other side of town, the Cubs haven't signed any free agents yet. No, but the rumors are flying. I mean, we, we hear that they're meeting with the agents of Carlos Correa and Trey Turner and really all the big free agents. And these rumors about Jose Abreu to the north side are getting pretty serious. They're not the only suitor, obviously. It's not a slam dunk that he comes to the Cubs. I don't know how likely it is, but there's clearly, a, based on the reports, we're seeing a high level of interest bringing him in. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think it does too. Uh, I mean, you know, you could go out there and try to have uh, reunite with with Anthony Rizzo. I just don't know if that's a good fit. I I don't think it's happening. I just don't think it's happening. I, after you get a divorce, usually getting remarried again doesn't work out. Um, and. Uh, Rizzo is not looking, he's looking to get paid. That's the reason he opted out of his Yankees contract is I, I don't know why he thinks he's going to get paid, but he thinks he's going to get paid. And, um, I don't see the value of him with the Cubs at this current juncture. I feel like Jose Abreu will give you what you need right now for a much more affordable price. Um, so uh, I wish it was a left-handed bat, but I think, I think Jose Abreu is a good fit for what the Cubs, where the Cubs are at and what they're trying to do. Yeah, hmm. I agree with that. I think that his bat makes him a really nice addition for someone that can flip-flop DH in first base with Matt Mervis because Matt Mervis seems like he is really part of the future of this team at first base, but he, it's also sounds like based on what they say, he's got to earn that spot on the opening day roster. He's going to get his chance. He's going to get his looks in spring training, but he's got to earn that roster spot on opening day. And if he's not ready or if he needs a little work, then you don't really have much to fall back on as of right now. Well, I mean, Plus, even if Matt Mervis does earn it, is Jose Abreu is a veteran. Like he's a true professional. He could go have a sit and come back and play and not need all the playing time to keep hitting. You can you can move him to DH if need be. Um, you know, there's gives you flexibility if and when uh Matt Mervis does come up and goes through rookie struggles, which rookies do. It 
it had you have somebody that could step in uh it's gonna make first base be a much better position statistically for you at the plate than it was this year which was kind of a dumpster fire yeah that's uh putting it lightly um so i i'm here for it because it's like i said is Matt Mervis is probably your future. Jose Abreu gives you that flexibility. And he's somebody that uh, knows he's at the end of his career and doesn't need, doesn't need to have all of the playing time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a way you can just balance things out and you have your safety net. And I think it would be a good mentor for a guy like Matt Mervis to learn from a veteran. Um, I'm growing. I'm growing a little more comfortable with the idea that Dansby Swanson could be the shortstop. I don't want that. I, I, if you're ranking the four, he's by far and away the lowest of the four for me. Yes. Yes. But he's a damn good fielding shortstop. Yes, he is. And his hitting the last few years has been solid. Yeah. I mean, he was good last year. Hmm. So, uh, I, it's just, I don't think. I think he wants the similar contract to the other three. And I think I don't see the value there, Um, but. Getting Dansby Swanson would be better than getting nothing at all. Right. It, but it's, it would not be my first choice. I just, it, it would, it might sting at first, but you know, he might fit in decently. I just, I really much rather have Correa Turner at Bogarts. You're right. If there was, if those guys weren't on the market and they said, you know what, we're going to upgrade at shortstop by bringing in Dansby Swanson. I'd be like, okay, that's a nice get. It's the fact that you have three guys on the market who are just at another level. Yeah. It's like, somebody's like, Oh, Hey, we have Neapolitan ice cream. Do you want chocolate, strawberry, or vanilla? And, and then somebody's like, Oh, well you can have a push pop. And you're like, well, what's wrong with push pops? Well, it's not ice cream. <laughs> like, is is a push pop perfectly acceptable on a nice hot summer day? Of course. It's just if you're comparing ice cream to push pops, you want ice cream, obviously. But Noted if, push pop haters, Sean. What the hell? But if if you're like, all right, well, it's between no dessert at all and push pop, you're like, well, yeah, I'd absolutely want a push pop. I would much rather have ice cream than a push pop. You're comparing Dansby Swanson and the free agents to push to Neapolitan ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) Now all I can picture is just that that head of hair on Dansby Swanson just mounted on the back of a of a push pop. Oh, okay. Now I don't want to eat that push pop. (laughs) <laughs> what, is, what is on this push pop? Oh, there's a hair on my push pop. There's more than one hair on that push pop. <laughs> oh, push pop. Did they still make push pops? 
I, you know, I haven't looked for them in a while. I would hope they do because I loved Push Pops as a kid. I just haven't, I just, I just haven't looked for them in a while. So can you know. buy them anywhere other than the ice cream truck? Like, can you go to the grocery store and buy Push Pops? I mean, when I was a kid, we would, we were able to buy them from like Jewel, but uh, you know, I, that was when I was a kid. I mean, I can't even find Smiley Pops anymore. Uh, that's not from an ice cream truck. Do you know what the best treat was that they stopped making? And it's probably because it was pushed. It was like the spokesperson was a uh, serial rapist was jello pudding pops. Oh, yeah. Wait, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Bill Cosby was the. Oh, all oh, right. Pudding pops. Right. Yeah. yeah right. Those were made. It was basically right. frozen pudding on a stick. Yeah. Like, That's awesome. My grandma yeah. used to buy those and she, but the thing is she would buy the variety packs and I don't like chocolate. So it would have like chocolate, vanilla and swirl. So like a third of the package I could, I would eat, but then two thirds of the package just kind of sat there and you're like, do I eat nothing or do I eat a flavor that's gross? And you know, 10 times out of 10, I ate the gross flavor. The rest of Carlos career, Dansby Swanson. Oh, <laughs> uh. Discontinued foods. There were some good ones when I was a kid. Now I know the company of business, but do you remember Maurice Linnell cookies? I do. Oh, the pinwheels. Remember those? Yes. Oh, those were so good. My favorite all-time cookie. They stopped making them by that name, but they started to make them again uh, as under a different name. And they were called jingles. And they were, Anise flavored cookies, and they were like Christmas ones. So they would be like a one that's shaped like a wreath, one one shaped like a Christmas tree, and they had the sprinkles on them. Um, they were the best cookies, and now they make them. And I, I think the only place you can get them is like Jewel, and uh, they're called Santa's favorite cookies or something like that. I Santa's think I know favorites. what you're talking about. And those are the best cookies. So. I, whenever I see them pop up for the limited time around Christmas, I look like a psychopath and I'm at the store with like a whole cart full of cookies because I can only get them once a year and then I just save them. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I know what you're talking about. I hate when they discontinue things that I like. Like, I don't think, did you ever have Pillsbury Square waffles before? No, they were. I loved them as a kid, and I don't think they make them anymore. They were huh. shaped like squares. So I'm looking up now. Oh, Pillsbury Square waffles. They were delicious. I, I loved them. Like they looked like waffles. They were just square. Let's see. Pillsbury buttermilk. Luke Harris. Yeah. Um, yeah. People want it back, but it looks like. Yeah. Buy it on Amazon. I don't think those are the same ones. You know what I think they got rid of that I liked as a kid? Dunkaroos. I don't think they made dunk. It was like a it was like a cookie stick that you had frosting and you just dip the cookie in the frosting. Hmm. Um, that was delish. 
Um, I'm trying to think of some other ones that have gotten. Uh, yeah, the Jello pudding pops were. They were delish. Uh, <clears throat> hmm. Oh, you know what they stopped making that was really good? I don't know if mm. you're a fan of Cheetos. Mm -hmm. They used to have a flavor of Cheetos called salsa con queso, which mm. was delish. But they stopped making I could making see you liking that. Yeah, I, I could see you liking that. Um, <clears throat> do they still make fruit by the foot? Oh, yeah, I buy those. Oh, okay. Yeah, those, yeah, those will never go away. Okay, because those those were delicious. It's the only ones I could think of. Uh, yeah, I'm sure I could think of more later, but uh, I will definitely be. Uh, I'll definitely try to see if any more I could think of for next show because I'm sure there is. But like when I think of discontinued that I can't buy in the store anymore, I think of Smiley Pops, I think of Pillsbury Square Waffles, and Maurice Linnell cookies. What about uh, what about Coke Zero? I mean Pepsi's. Uh, I'm sorry, Pepsi Clear. Oh, you know what? I they brought that back for a very brief time, and I tried it once. I remember when that first came out. That was like the hot thing, and I was like, that just looks gross. Yeah, I remember trying it, and I'm like, this isn't that great. I feel like it's one of those things where it's like tricks your brain where you think you're about to yes. drink you're about to drink Sprite, but it tastes like Pepsi. Right. Like it's your brain thinks it should taste like one thing and your taste buds sense something different. It's just that sensation that you're like, mm. like if you would have poured some in a glass, you didn't tell me what it was. You're like, <laughs> yeah, it's just a type of soda. I'd be like, oh, okay, this is a soda. Uh but yeah, I mean the Cubs, the Cubs, uh, back to the Cubs. There's early conversations, but honestly, nothing really happens until the winter meetings. Nothing big happens yeah. until the winter meetings. Though um, it is notable that the tender deadline is coming up a lot quicker than it normally does. Yeah, so I, I don't expect anything big to happen with the Cubs. They've already well, outrighted guys to AAA, so they're clearing guys on the 40-man roster, so that's what we're seeing. Right, and the Rule 5 draft is soon, right? I think so. Um, but I don't know. Did, did The Rule 5 draft is not doesn't seem like it's as big as it used to be. Like No, and I think more guys are being protected, so... More guys are protected, and... I, you just don't see a lot of lo people losing guys like they they did many moons ago. So I'm not I'm not that concerned about the Rule Five draft. Um, but really, it's the winter meetings is when we're going to start seeing, uh, you know, real movement on uh, the the free agent market. And I think the winter meetings are the first week of December. And I believe it is in San Diego. San Diego. So 
uh, we've got we've got a couple more weeks to to sit here and in a lull. Um, luckily, we can fill that with with delicious food during Thanksgiving. But yes, shortly after that, we'll start to see movement. And I think I think this is the year. I mean, the last couple of years you've seen you've seen a pretty slow market. I think this year is actually going to be the return of a hot stove. I mean, with the names on the board and I think teams really looking to make things happen, I think it's going to be a going to be an off season that will definitely be worth following. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the COVID financial woes are kind of, you know, behind most teams. So I I think, I think you're really going to see the, the, the cash flow. Let's see it. I want to see it. Give me some action. Show me the money. Ditto. All right. You want to talk Blackhawks or Bulls? Bulls are just <sighs> They're such a frustrating team. I, I I don't even know what to say. That loss to the Pelicans was really frustrating. Right. Um, I, I don't know. I don't even know what to say about this team. It's worrisome because I just feel like here we are. We're stuck in purgatory again. Yeah, because we are financially strapped. Um, you know, it's like DeRozan is a good player. Zach Levine is a good player. It's it's just that you, I don't know, you you don't put a good team effort in this. Uh, I mean, in that game, Caruso put up a goose egg in points. Played 23 minutes, put up a goose egg. I just, I watched Caruso this year and I remember what an awesome presence he was last year when he was healthy. And I'm not saying he's been like awful across the board, but we're just, I just don't feel like we're seeing that this year. It's, I like DeSumo and I just don't feel like we have a facilitator. He's not a facilitator. He's not a scorer. I, I feel like we've just got a bunch of hodgepodge type players that we're shoehorning together. I just, I, I, I see a team that kind of lacks identity. You know what their issues are, but it's hard to build an identity when you guys hurt and Zach Levine playing in and out every day. Cause you know where your weaknesses are. You're not a, big strong team you don't go to the rim as effectively of other teams other teams are bigger than you they're undersized but it like you said hodgepodge is kind of a good way to describe it and i mean one of the worst things in the nba is finishing with like 35 42 wins and i feel like that's where we're going yeah and and you, on paper you're like okay they out they had a better field goal shooting percentage than the pelicans they shot more three-pointers and at a much higher rate than the Pelicans. Uh, they had a higher free throw percentage than the Pelicans. 
They had less turnovers than the Pelicans, more assists than the Pelicans, and they lost to the Pelicans. And I, I think part of it is this team doesn't really get to the free throw line consistently enough. They don't rebound very well. Um, and they don't play good team defense. No, they they don't. And what do you do from here? I don't know. I, I mean, honestly, I don't know. Do do you make a major shakeup and try to move Demar Derozan? Do you maybe move Vooch? I think I think Vooch is part of the problem. He was the man in Orlando, and he's never found his footing here. And I think Vooch is a guy who thrives on being the the big fish in a small pond. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just I think that's who he is. And being being the third option right now on a team is just, he's just, you know, it's not the role he's trying to get. And there's times when he tries to alter his game to be the player the Bulls need him to be. And he's just not as effective. Um, You know, the, the guy that big playing that many minutes should have double digit rebounds. Just sorry. Um, you know, if, if you're if you're a team that has two scorers like DeRozan and Levine, I think you're better off having a really defensive center that plays good defense and rebounds. Yeah, I mean, he's he's played better this year, I feel, overall on the rebounding side. But, you know, is anyone, you know, are you going to make a deal for him if you want to make that? And what are you going to get back? You gave up a lot to give up Vooch. You know, that was a big move. And, you know, it's it's a shame that it hasn't always panned out the way you wanted to. You see glimpses, you see the moments where you're like, okay, you know, you're looking pretty good now, but then you see glimpses where you get a little frustrated with the production. And that's like you said, that that's kind of one of the problems here is there's a lot of lack of consistency across the board with a lot of this, including to where the face of your franchise is doing one night. He's playing one night. He's not. It's true. It's true. I don't know. Like I'm just, I'm just starting to feel numb with this team again. And I don't like feeling that way, but like, you know, I was bothered by some of the early tough losses in this season. And I'm already kind of like, I don't want to say checked out, but like not as emotionally invested because I just, I I don't see this formulating into anything worthwhile this year. I mean, at best I see a play in tournament. I mean, where's that going to get you? And I think it, it hurts because we spent years going through the Garpax crap that set you back a number of years already. You bring in AK and you have hope. And AK makes some moves 
but we're kind of stuck in the same spot again, except we're a little better. You know, those Garpacks rebuilding teams where they had no identity whatsoever, those were bad teams. This isn't a bad team, but I can't really call it a good or great team either. It's just, it, it just, it feels so middle of the road when you even things out. There are things they can do well. There are things they don't do well. And like, here they are. They just, they feel like a 500 team because I think they are a 500 team. Uh, should we talk, uh, should we talk Blackhawks? Yeah. Um, so this team, this team is another frustrating team. Um, they're, they're not good, but, uh, Playing the hell out better than I thought they would be. Yeah, they're not good, but they're they're not getting blown out either. No, no. I, I, I'm not frustrated with the way they're playing. The only thing I'm worrying about is, are we going to play ourselves out of a lottery? But I am going to, this is how I see it right now. I think come January, February, the talent gap that this team has with a lot of other teams have is really going to show. I mean, what's weird though is so this game against the ducks, if you watch the first two periods of that game, you're like, Oh my God, this, how are they not losing like 20 to nothing right now? Yeah. Oh, it's the first period in the ducks game. I mean, the ducks outshot the Blackhawks at one point, 18 to one. Mm-hmm. And we won that game. And they outchanced them 16 to 15. I'm sorry, 16 to 5 in the first period. Yet after all of that, being down 18 to 1 shots, 16 to 5 in chance uh, chances, the Blackhawks were only down two to one. I you know, it's it's like they they're something is keeping the talent gap from being from, you know, proportionally being a, a gap in the scores or gap in the standings. And I don't, it's like some sort of voodoo magic, but uh, on one hand, I like it because it sucks to, to lose and get blown out like the last couple of years. But on the other hand, you're like, Damn it. I want Connor Bedard. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, I, I'm right there with you. And I think we do have to realize, too, we're not the only team out there that's supposed to be pretty bad. The Ducks are really bad. The Sharks are really bad. The Coyotes are really bad. The, the thing is, the Ducks didn't think they were going to be bad. 
I think the thuck, the, the Ducks thought they were going to be a pretty solid team. Well, they ain't so They're far. Not. They're terrible. Um, Columbus is terrible. Vancouver is terrible. San Jose is terrible. The Blues are terrible. Yeah, that's that's a surprise. And I don't necessarily like seeing that because you know it's them. They're gonna want they're gonna be the ones that end up with Connor Bedard. I mean, Nashville is terrible. I don't know if which is worse, if Nashville got him or if St. Louis got him. It'd be worse if St. Louis got him, in my opinion. Or you want to hear the worst one? What if Pittsburgh got him? Oh no. Honestly, if anybody but the Blackhawks get him, it's terrible. Agreed. There's just ones that would sting particularly worse. Like, I couldn't tell you that the Blue Jackets getting him is as bad or worse if the Blues got him. Fair. Um, but there, there's there's a long season left, and I just I, I do think that the Hawks have gotten a few fortunate breaks. I like I I think it's going to even out because we've seen them squeak out games where they were outplayed for a lot of the game. I just it's it's going to even out. I I mean, it's hard to say. I hope so because it, it's it really is as a fan tough to root for losing even if it's losing for a cause like the bears, like we know what they're doing, but I don't enjoy losing. Right. It stinks. And I don't like it, but uh, at least you see the light at the end of the tunnel. Right. And at least, yeah. And I mean, with the Hawks, you're not watching a good team, but at least it's been watchable this year. Going right. into this season, I didn't think I, like it was going to be like I was thinking we were going to be losing five to one every night, and I wasn't sure if the Blackhawks were going to have five wins by Christmas. I know that's kind of extreme, but you get my point. I mean, if you were to tell somebody, "Hey, the Blackhawks have this is their roster, and they're on at one point they were on their fifth goalie, and they had a winning record." Like, mm, I would have said you on drugs pretty much, but here we are. And I mean, uh, um, Sutterblom probably made his last start in the NHL for a while, right? Yeah. Unless there's another injury. Um, I, he, his, his play was pretty encouraging. Yeah. No, I mean, he, he did a good job for what he had to do. I had five appearances, had a 931 save percentage. Uh, he, he looked good against the Ducks. I, I, can't, I can't be mad. Um, you know, and, but what's even more wild about that game is... The Ducks going into that game were giving up on average over 40 shots a game. Do you know how many do you know how many shots the Blackhawks totaled the end of the game with? How many? 22. Yeah. Roughly half of what the Ducks normally give up. Right. I mean, Uh, you don't have a lot of playmakers on the team. Yeah. Uh you know, the Blackhawks have not been getting scoring from their defensemen, 
but in against the Ducks, uh, you got two from Tenardi and and one from Roos. <laughs> um, so you're finally starting to get some some goal scoring from your defensemen. Um, but uh, five on five has been a problem as far as scoring this whole season for the most part. Yeah. They're not scoring on regular ice five on five. I mean, they've done a pretty solid job with power play. They've even gotten a number of shorthanded goals, but yeah, five on five just isn't producing, which again, I can't say I'm surprised. You don't have a lot of playmakers, right? Um, you know, and especially since Kane's been in a drought, a scoring drought, um, you're like, who the hell is scoring these goals? You know, who's scoring here? But it, it, the, I think I think the five on five is really what's showing the the talent gap here with the Blackhawks. Um, you look and you're just like, who the hell are these guys? Uh, a lot of a lot of the the special teams, the power play and the penalty kill. Um, a lot of that is is scheme and having guys in the right spot and taking chances and um, trying to generate pressure. And you're like, okay, that's, that's system driven makes sense. But um, you know, five on five, you just, you just got to have some talent out there. And this, this team really can't consistently put wave after wave of lines. You know, they're, they're at best one good line at best. And that's that's might even be stretching it. Yeah. I mean, right now, your biggest producer has been what, Taze? Arguably, yeah. I mean, you're you're getting, you know, some guys are scoring goals, but Taze, (laughs) I'm pretty sure he's the points leader on this team. I honestly haven't looked, but. You know, he's been consistently producing and, you know, you're getting stuff from like the Lafferty's and the, you know, like Lafferty got off to a good start and, you know, Jujar Kara's had a goal here or there. And um, yeah, everything's just kind of spread out, but feels like Taze has been far and away the biggest offensive presence. Jonathan Taves is your leading goal scorer at seven followed by a three-way tie between Domi, Radish, and Dickinson. Yeah, I mean, Domi's been okay. Like, Domi's been playing fine. Like, I just... Domi has been uh, living up to his potential of being trade bait. Right, and that's my whole point. When you have Domi and Andres Athanasiu, those are the guys I want to see play so they can get flipped for something this year. And that's going to be another thing, too, is when you get to the trade deadline and you trade more off this roster could be even worse. That is, you know, we'll see what happens if they call Reichel up at some point, but yeah, I mean, that's really what I'd love to get out of this season is good seasons from FNCU and Domi where you can flip them for something. The points leader on this team is Patrick Kane. Yeah. He's getting all the assists. He's not, he's not putting up the fancy goal numbers, so it's hard to notice, but he is getting the assists. Yeah, he's got double-digit assists. Um, so the the points leaders are Kane, Taves, Domi. 
um, which I guess makes sense. Um, but I, I don't know. It's it's at least entertaining to watch because they are they're being competitive, and uh, that's it. Even if you're seeing more wins, possibly from previous years with uh, the post Quenville years, you never felt that it was a. You never felt that it they were a competitive team for anything more than a single game that they were not going to be a uh a playoff contender and at least now you're like okay we we don't have the roster talent to to do anything but systematically or the system wise we feel we're in a good place and once we start adding talent we're uh, we're actually going to be a competitive team. Yeah. I mean, even though they've looked a lot more competitive than we thought, they're still a long way from being legit. Oh, absolutely. But when you know, when you, with uh, the last couple of years, you're just like, all right, well, what, what are they doing? I, you know, is it, is it talent based or is it what the hell is, is happening. Why can't the Blackhawks play? And you realize that they just, the coaching was bad. The coaching was terrible. And, you know, even if they had some talent on the team, it was, it was not producing on the ice because, because of the schemes that were in place and the things that they were trying to do. And like, you're like, man, if we could have taken the talent from the last couple of, uh of seasons and put him with his coaching staff maybe we could have made some noise not not stanley cup winning noise but you know actually competed in the first round of the playoffs or you know knocked knocked somebody out with an upset you know is it just it's just the we didn't get enough out of the talent we had the last several years and now we have no talent and somehow we're squeezing some out yeah exactly uh so you know all i'm going to be along for the ride it's yep my goal would be competitive losses throughout the rest of the season um nobody likes to see a blowout even if you are tanking for Bedard um, you at least want to be competitive yeah I mean you you don't want to watch years of just losing awful hockey it's just not fun no even lose winning bad games like that that Anaheim game they won but man that was a tough game to watch because they just looked so bad at points right Uh, well, is there anything else you wanted to discuss? No, I think I've said my piece. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Bill Spursky Sports Talk Chicago. 
I want to thank everybody so much for listening. Please hit subscribe however you listen to podcasts, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Play, Spotify, etc. Share this podcast with your friends. It's how we grow the show. Follow us on social media at Swirsky Sports, Facebook.com slash Swirsky Sports, SwirskySports.com, or ShyFanPat2 for Alex on Twitter, or AlexanderJPatCreative.com for all the cool stuff that Alex does. And again, thank you guys so much for listening. And until next time, bear down. Cubs win! What a lucky break! The good Lord wants the Cubs to win! We thank Ditka and God for all they have provided. Uh, 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 Cubs win! Cubs win! Cubs win! You can have her, she's a Packer fan She can't fit in my van And she looks like Remember New Yorkers, smoking crack is not legal on the plains Bears, 31, the negative 7 The Bears Oh, when the Bears go bearing down